Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street, and I'll be your host. I use explicit language. <laughs> How about that? Topics of conversation are going to include uh, paranormal, psychic ability, ghosts, intuition, uh, precognition, uh, domestic violence, incest, rape, devaluing of women's time, and work, uh, and art, <laughs> um, creating safe space, and being aware of sharing power, and doing so with grace and with choice. Yeah? Okay. Oh, I'm wandering off here. Oh, no, I'm improv Okay, here we go. Okay, here. Let's get through the disclaimers and preamble. Um, okay. Incest, rape, domestic violence, foster care, emancipation, murder, femicide, suicide. Um, let's see. Willful education, university, college, uh, BDSM, kink. Um, let's see what else. Recovery, 12-step, therapy, uh, LGBTQIA+. Yeah. Okay. Is that good? Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I'm feeling a little slow today and I'm feeling like I've got little parts I got to put in and I'm, I feel like I'm a little cloudy inside or I'm kind of foggy a little bit. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Um, this is a place where I grew up. The house on Valencia street is a place that I spent a few years growing up, uh, when I was transitioning from being a child into puberty. And, um, the house, was, the house was haunted, uh, and we were growing. We were in Walla Walla, Washington. See, um, and um, uh, we survived. We got an education. We left Walla Walla, and sometimes I go back and visit Walla Walla, although uh, it's got mixed blessings. And sometimes it can even. I can remember driving in the last time I went to my high school reunion. One of my high school reunions. I was driving in town, and it's like excitement and fun, but also like everybody's gone or dead. <laughs> And, oh, yeah, I got beat and foster cared there. What? You know, so my little heart goes a little pitter-pat when I think about Walla Walla and Valencia Street House. And yet there's a lot of knowledge and experience there that seems to need to breathe, you know, in my perception. Um, at the house on Valencia Street, I talk about this experience uh, growing up there and also growing up in Walla Walla and how we survived and got out clocking predators before they clock you, see. Um here at the house on Valencia Street, it's not going to be somebody who hasn't been raped telling me how I got to talk about being raped. As long as you got trigger warnings, as long as you got boundaries and consent, when you step into that front door, you know what you're getting. See, you're also going to get some funny stuff. You're also going to get some strong stuff and tender and vulnerable and um, apology and amends and all kinds of things. Right. So uh, let's see what else. Oh, hey, if mental health stuff is kicking up for you. Um, you need to talk to a mental health professional. Okay. <laughs> if mental health stuff's kicking up for you, or verbal stuff, apparently for me, um, <laughs> you might not. You need to talk to a mental health with that. <laughs> Take three and action. Okay. If mental health issues are arriving for you, please talk to a licensed, educated professional therapist. That is not me. 
Um, but uh, I've, I've worked with some, I've employed some of them and uh, I've been uh, grown by some of them, a professional therapist. Uh, there's, and you know, if you don't got enough money to afford a therapist, cause you know, the blah, blah space and the blah, blah help.com, you can get therapy from home now in the pandemic and the lack, but uh, you may not have a hundred to 200 to 300 bucks a month to afford it, right. For a weekly session, which is, you know, 50 minute session weekly, you know, it tends to be the structure on that. So, um, what options do you have if you're struggling that way? Well, there's uh, 12 step groups. Uh, you can go online right now and say phone meetings and type in adult children of alcoholics or Al-Anon. And you could probably find a 12 step meeting that you could call into on the phone and just listen. You can put it on mute and just listen to people talk. And sometimes that helps, you know? So, um, anyway, okay, there you go. So there's all kinds of options for you. Even if you pour, even if you're being told to shut up <laughs> or if you're like myself, you weren't raped by grandpa. You weren't raped by grandpa. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. My whole family told me I wasn't, and I was. And, and you know, when those uh, PTSD flashbacks come back, they debilitate you sometimes. Although it's nice to know the cause. A lot of times with PTSD, you get symptoms. You don't get memories, right? Sometimes with that. So, okay, what else? Oh, hey, we're going to talk about religion, Buddhism, agnosticism, atheism, and meditation for sure. Oh, hell yeah. And let's see. I think that's a good roundup. Uh, is there anything else I need to say? Uh, this is for entertainment purposes only. Okay. And, uh, use your discernment. Uh, if you're going to be making decisions, check several sources, and then you come up with a conclusion. That's the way that goes. So that's my expectation on that one. All right. I think that's a little bit getting in there. I'm a little bit fumbly right now. Um, woohoo. I think we'll start this uh, little podcast here with an image that I saw today. Uh, there's a Buddhist instructor, a Buddhist meditation instructor named Tara Brock. She's a psychologist, uh, author, all kinds of things. Um, but uh, on the Facebook feed, she posted a cartoon today. And you see three boys. Three, it's going to be men. And, it, you know, women should be monks, too. And women should be represented as much. But here we are. And also everybody in this cartoon was white, yet they're being monks. So Tibetan monks. And I'm like, you're going to represent all the colors and the clothing of a Tibetan monk, but he's got Caucasian features. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> and I don't want to be racist and say, well, I don't know if it's uh, discerning and saying, well, you can be a Tibet, you can be a Tibetan monk and have white skin or be a woman and that kind of thing. Although traditionally it's from Tibet. Traditionally, you know, you should, you know, there's some things you should reflect, I think, in that. Anyway, boy, this is so exciting. Analyzing it before I tell you what the fucking punchline is. Okay. Imagine this scenario. There's three men and they're sitting outside and they're wrapped up in orange and red. There's trees above and two of them are talking to each other on one side while another is sitting in the foreground. His legs are crossed and he is in the prone, he's in the position of uh, the lotus um, sitting position for uh, meditation. And, um, the familiar one that y'all see where they got their legs crossed sitting on the ground and they got their hands with their um, thumb and their index finger touching, right? Okay. So he's sitting there, but he, so these two monks are talking about this third one. He's sitting over there and his eyeballs look like uh, <laughs> satellite dishes. They're big. They're like, Wah! okay. So this guy's sitting in the foreground. He's been meditating. He's sitting on a mountain on a stoop on a hill with under a tree. And he's just, sitting normal but he looks like he's somewhere else he looks like he's in a place but he's a little bit surprised and shocked he's got like a surprise and shock look on his face like Wah! 
you know, like he's been there for a while. Like his eyeballs are just dried out because he's been staring into space for three hours. That's what his face looks like. Okay. So these two monks are talking to each other and they're looking at him and they're kind of got a concerned look on their face, a little bit furrowed brow, you know. And one of them says to the other one, he's been like that for hours. I think he's binge meditating. Uh, anyway, okay. Ha ha. Anyway, so I, this week I've been binge meditating. And um, if you get into meditation and prayer, which is something that sustains me and keeps me alive, uh, trying to connect to my inner source or my inner soul or spirit, and then having this external physical body, right? I think there's two identities, a couple different men, uh, meditation instructors talk about that. So you can kind of tap, tap in and listen to your spirit, right? So anyway, uh, I've been doing some major binging on meditation where I'll just sit down and I'll get into it and I'll start doing the breathing and the mantras or just the audios. And then I'll spend about 10, 15 minutes afterwards in silence so I can listen and see if spirit's talking to me. See, I'm trying to carve out just a couple minutes a day where I'm silent and I'm listening because I get information that way. Although I have to dial myself in. A lot of this meditation and prayer stuff to me is like you're a radio dial, like the old fashioned AM FM radio dials, and you're just trying to get yourself right on in there. See? Um, and I've had so many shimmering moments this week where it's just like I'm vibrating and I'm giggling and laughing, and I just really feel connected to God, you know, whatever that might be. And if you're an agnostic or an atheist, that's cool too, you know, whatever you might need to do that way. Um, but it's really encouraging, you know, when you sit there and feel like, you know, I don't have a mention, and that wasn't my priority. And uh, bearing children, that wasn't my priority. You know, um, mentoring, tutoring, supporting, yeah, family, sure, some of them, some of us, yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> the, the conclusion I've been coming to the last couple months of sitting every day for at least 15 minutes and, and meditating, making sure every day that happens at least once, Um it just creates this access to uh, this abundance. It, it makes you feel happy and joyful. And um, David Lynch, the director of Blue Velvet and all kinds of macabre, strange, uh, Twin Peaks, etc. David Lynch has gender issues. David Lynch has some anger issues with women. He's working out in my perception of things. Uh, you know, kill, you know, all the violence and uh, that he does with women the way he targets women that way. But the other thing too is uh, he brings a lot of good stuff. He's a very high quality artist. Uh, uh, He does unusual things. And the biggest thing that David Lynch does in this conversation is he's into transcendental meditation. This guy has been trying to make transcendental, transcendental meditation a thing for people for decades or more. Um, If you ever study that, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about David Lynch talking about that. Well, I was, kick it through Facebook or something and a little sponsored ad popped up for David Lynch talking about transcendental meditation and whatever he is, uh, I have some discomfort with him and some grace and um, admiration for David Lynch. Um, the transcendental meditation part of him is something where I go, Hey, Bubba, yeah, hi. we do that. We both do that. And I agree with you. So this is a quote from David Lynch. I heard this week on meditation, right? He uh, is starting school and he's got the school project or this, uh, he's either studying and got an online thing. And he also has like a in-person thing. Apparently he's developing a transcendental or a meditation school. 
Okay. It's important to him. Okay. I heard David Lynch doing like the sales technique or just kind of giving him the blurb on his course that was available. Right. And, um, I really, I got to tell you, it's really fascinating to watch Hillary Clinton offer an online course and all these famous people starting to monetize in that way. It, it makes you feel a little more connected in a way. And granted, it can be manipulative, but it makes me feel like mm, there's a wisdom in David Lynch that's not his movies that I get to access maybe, see, right? So um, this is a quote from David Lynch talking about meditation where he's instructing people on this process. And he says, I sit twice a day because I meditate for 15 minutes twice a day. And he says, to me, meditation is money in the bank. To me, it always causes inspiration. It, it makes me feel better. He just was talking about, you know, how just twice a day, 15 minutes a day is money in the bank for him. Okay. And this is a world famous award-winning director, <laughs> you know, and um, who has a particular race and gender and socioeconomic demographic. He's got the trifecta. Um, but uh, Wow. It's, it's so nice to sit there and go, you know, I'm disturbed and intrigued by your work. And I think I got some tasks to, to bear to talk to you about if I was ever going to sit down and talk to you. Like, who the hell am I? I got notes. I guess everybody's got damn notes. But, uh, oh, how nice it is to see someone in that position. I mean, I can't think of anybody else who is ringing the bell on that. You know, really going, hey, everybody, 15 minutes a day make you feel better. Hey, everybody, 15 minutes a day can make you feel better. Um, so I guess I'll give a, a conditional, <laughs> no, mm, an informed gratitude to David Lynch, an informed gratitude to David Lynch, and um, keep talking, keep telling people that they got to do it. Now, how they do it, where they do it, that's that's objective, right? So, uh, but anyway, yeah, meditation, what a joy, and the hard part is. Um, a lot of my meditation practice or my teachers talk about focusing on where you feel good and visualizing what you want to create, um, being in that presence, also having a foot in the practical, you know, being practical to balance that. Um, although when you start doing a segment intention where you sit down and say, for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to do this, and you write it down, um, that's a powerful thing to do. Uh, it feels like you have a direction, you know, where you can kind of go, okay, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to dream about what I want to create. You know, I visualize the book in front of me that says the house on Valencia street. I open up the pages and feel the dust cover. I let my fingers cross the pages. And I think about Darlene telling me that the one job she wanted when she wasn't working for the post office was she wanted to open a bookstore. That was her dream. That was my mama's simple dream was to have a bookstore. <laughs> and I still fantasize about a daughter and mother bookstore over here on the coast, here on the coast of Oregon. But oh, bless her. What a joy. But anyway, I just love going into that spot where I'm like, what's important to me? You know, I, I keep seeing things like, for example, here's a weird thing. You ever get that realization where you're like, you know, this has been fine for a while. And then you just have this moment where you're like, that crossed the line. And now I understand, and I can see five patterns of it. And now I think I need to make a life change. You know, have you ever do that? That's something that meditation and prayer can bring to you too, is that when you see people being resistant, being um, hypocritical or oppositional or saying one thing and doing another, um, I'm feeling more of a grace to accept and go, um, okay, that's who you are, that's your character. And I'm not going to change that. And talking to you isn't going to help.
because uh, uh, you ain't listening, right? Even though you're going to say you're listening, your actions are showing me you ain't, right? So, um, yeah, I've been thinking about that. I, I live, uh, and the, the conundrum here is I live in an upper middle class neighborhood in some decent enough rentals, uh, and they're rentals that people um, retire in. You know, they're, they're nice, they're maintained, et cetera. However, the majority of the people around me are people that voted for the former guy, okay? And about a block from here, there's a neighbor who had a, he had a, he had a, a political president sign that was the size of a, like a Ram 4 truck, like a big truck. <laughs> it was like, you know, 10 feet long and 6 feet tall, and it just says, Trump, you know, it was just like, oh. You know, it was like, that was his thing that he wanted everybody to know. And he didn't just want them to know a little bit. He put a big banner out there. Oh, you know, like, I, I mean, like a billboard. It was practically a billboard at, at you know, walking level. Anyway, so um, part of me feels like I can just be in my little bubble, my little Glenda the Good Witch bubble with my meditation and just keep the doors closed and just go out now and again. And um, everything's kind of tri- trimmed and, and the yards are mowed and, you know, this and that. Um However, the majority of these people, a lot of them, they ain't going to college. They ain't going to get an education. They ain't going to travel internationally. They're not going to go to art school and take a figure drawing class. This is not the area for that. (laughs) This is the area for the Mormon church. This is the area for the Baptist church. This is the area for a lot of money and stuff, but maybe not a lot of kindness. That's what I see sometimes out there. And, um, people who've kind of filled that part. I mean, not all of them. There's some people, I've had some joy in this and that, although I've just come to realize when you're sitting there going, I've been here many years and I'm going, I don't think this fits me anymore. And I don't think I can accommodate the lack of the tuning out that I see some people doing, especially. Yeah. Anyway. So I came to a realization this week. I'm like, I think I'm going to have to move. I think I'm going to have to move and it's not going to be this year. It's not going to be next year. Maybe. Well, might be, but it's like, I got to build towards it. Uh, I got to get the capital together to do it. And otherwise I'm going to be stuck feeling like a donut hole in the center of a big old former guy voting crew out here in the semi wilderness kind of, but not, I don't know. It's kind of like on the edge. It's kind of like farming wilderness. It's like, it's all maintained and controlled and it's big and vast and there's packets of little, you know, trees and stuff like that. But the property is definitely owned and the people have a way they want to keep it like a cookie cutter. Right. So, um, and then you start thinking about living in a big city like New York or places where there's going to be more of a vibrancy. Um, uh, a lot of large U- United States cities have like a 50% or higher percentage of the population that live autonomously. There's a lot of major cities where over half the population is autonomous dwellers, you know. And um, and while I make sure for safety, I've got people checking on me re- regularly. Uh, I like a lot of silence and, you know, quiet, see. So, uh, yeah, it's been interesting to just kind of quietly accept the fact that I have to make that change. And there's so many other things to do just in maintenance, but that's something I want. That's something nice too, finding what you want, dreaming about what you want, feeling hope. I mean, digging that out is hard sometimes. All right. Now, with all the stuff I've been talking about, I'm going to end this uh, little podcast with a... (laughs) story about a pet of mine with my family. Okay, we'll switch topics here. This particular, I don't have a good, uh, usually, sometimes I have nearly a book report written when I come here to do this recording. Today, it's just going to be a little bit of a piecemeal quilt, I think. Um, so I had a pet parrot 
And um, gosh, just even talking about it, my heart just exploded with a bunch of love when I said that. Um, I had a pet parrot, and I'm not going to say his name because his name was a Native American word that was given to me by a teacher, a Native American um, indigenous teacher, uh, Algonquin, um, helped me choose that name. So it's distinct, so I'm going to keep it out of the picture here, but uh, this bird chose me, see. Uh, I just left a job in IT where I'd been a couple years in the Willamette Valley here in Oregon, a big Fortune 100 hardware company. And um, I didn't have a lot of money when I was on unemployment, but it'd been many years. I'd been like, I was just coming out of this like 15 years out of my career. I was just, about 10, 15 years, I was like, I, I quit this job. I was like, I can't. I took another contract and then the contract fell through and then 20 of us were out of work and it was like, well, what am I going to do now? Let's see. So I had savings and I had about six months and it was the mid nineties. And uh, I said, I'm going to have a pet. And I thought, which pet am I going to get? Um, I want a really intelligent pet. I want a pet that's going to be smart. Um, and so I studied them for a while and I, I boiled it down. And also I had to keep it in a cage because uh, it had to be a cage dweller and animal because of my, where I lived. Right. Uh, my lease agreement with animals. See, so it was going to be a parrot or it was going to be a rat because rats, while they only have a couple of, they tend to live a one to two year life because they've been overbred for lab and this and that. Uh, they tend to get cancer. They tend to die early cancer, um, rats. So that's the hard thing is if you're going to get a pet rat, I mean, you're going to invest all this time. And then a year or two later, you know, they're only going to last two, a couple of years, kind of like a possum. Possums are, have their own strange beauty, right? So I spent about six months. I went to Eugene. I went to Portland. I went to, uh, I went to a bird fair. I went to, <laughs> I saw hundreds, if not thousands of birds and I'm uh, trying to figure out which parrot I was going to get. And, um, you know, there's cockatoo, there's African grays. When you're looking at having a pet parrot, the first consideration I had was if it's a 50 year bird or longer, I'm not going to buy that bird because I'm going to have to put them in my will. And I'll offer this observation to you as someone who's volunteered for over 20 years at local humane societies, parrots who've lost their owners, who are 50 beer birds sitting in a room at a humane society. I've seen those little eyes be lost. And to keep it a bird is a specialized thing. You have to have a will for it. It's going to take it. They're heavy maintenance. They're high maintenance. Okay. And they're very delicate. They, they have very specific, you know, they have hollow bones, you know, they have um, status stuff. You, you know, they're, um, they tend to be height oriented when it comes to dominance. So if you want to get to know a parrot, not be threatening, you get on the ground or you kneel, you know, things like that. You have to kind of learn, learn about them if you want to know what it feels like from their perspective, right? Well, I finally turned into this pet store and they say, don't go to pet stores, you know, go, you know, breeder. It's always hard to know where you're going to find the pet. You want to do it ethically. And sometimes it's hard to source that. So there is this little lorikeet and a lorikeet is a nectar eating bird. So I don't know, full length's going to be, there's different breeds of them, but no more than 12 inches long with her tail, but about six to eight inches long with her body. If you go to the Portland Zoo, the Portland Zoo has a huge display of hundreds and hundreds of rainbow lorikeets. And they also have um, so the Borneo. They've got a couple different um, 
different types of uh, birds, but you can go in there, buy some of their nectar and walk in. And I haven't done this in over a decade, but uh, you go in and you just feed them and they, they land on you and look at you, right? And lorikeets are strange little birds because they're nectar eating birds. Their tongue is different than most parrots, right? When it extends its tongue outside of its body, it's got this long, it's about the length of a finger, like a little pinky finger proportionately, you know, coming out of it. Mm to its body. It's the size of its tongue, but the tongue is about two or three times longer than a normal parrot's tongue, a lorikeet. And on the end of a lorikeet tongue is what looks like this little alien flower because it opens up like a flower because they eat nectar out of flowers. This bird is designed to eat nectar out of flowers. So it has a specialized tongue. It's longer, like the proportion of a pinky finger on your body to you proportionately. The tongue is like that. And then when it reaches out to drink nectar from something, you have to feed it nectar. It'll extend this long thing. It's almost like a straw, a little bit of a straw coming out of its mouth. And then it has this little tendrily thing that has like little fingers and tendrils on it that'll like, la, 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 la. <laughs> kind of like a flower. You know, it looks like a stem with a flower. Um, a lot of times, uh, lorikeet birds as pets die early because people don't know how to keep them. Um, I had mine 16 years. Uh, they are a 15 to 30 year bird. Um, Anyway, uh, you, and I had to mail order his uh, basic feed all the time or I had to prep it and make it for him because uh, you can't feed him seeds. Uh, they don't have a crop that can eat that stuff. And people um, think, sit there and think, well, it looks like every other parrot, but that's a nectar bird. That's not a seed bird, right? So anyway, uh, I loved that bird and my mama loved that bird. And I'm going back to about, oh, I don't know, late 1990s, early 2000s when I'm telling you this story. So I have my little bird and I love my little bird and it was a learning curve. I read many books, bird behavior books, trying to understand that Irene Pepperberg uh, or Alex, the African gray. Um, I wanted to understand bird behavior and he knew a hundred words, 80 to a hundred words, that parrot. And as it turned out, there were a couple words he knew that I didn't know he knew. And this is how I found out. So, <clears throat> We're going to Christmas, okay? It's Christmas time. Now, my mama lives in a little podunk timber town that she chose because it was halfway between my sisters and my house here in Oregon. And it was a hole in the, it was an armpit. It was a depressed city with a bunch of people who were unemployed. There was meth problems, et cetera. But she had this little retired little mobile home place she'd go and live. And it was gated, so it'd be hard to get into. But she lived on the backside because that's where she'd go, like me. And um, outside her window, there was raspberry brambles and this and that, but there's also deer. And she was on the edge of the property. So there was just one or two places across from her. And then she could see the wilderness out there. And that was soothing for her some, see. So it's Christmas time. We're going to head. I'm heading to mom's and it's going to be me and my parrot. We're bringing them down. And also I've got a sister, Rachel Sophia, and her husband, the coach. Well, no, I don't know if I should call him now. Yeah, well, he's a coach. Um... So her husband, the coach, is there, and Rachel Sophia is there, and they've been married a while. Um, Rachel Sophia's got a pretty funny sense of humor, and she likes to laugh. Um, she liked Fred Flintstone, for example. See, uh, that that was a, we had jokes about Fred Flintstone. See, anyway, but here it is, Christmas time. We're gonna go down. I'm real excited, and I'm getting things. And I had to, you know, have my work stuff. Had you know, get bills paid, and then I came down and, and brought my parrot with me. I brought my parrot in a like a cat carrier. And you'd have to set it up with a perch and stuff, but it worked just fine for transport. So we're in this little single wide mobile home and it's got the wood paneling and the gross yellow shag carpet. Yeah, 
they still are out there. Can you believe it? And um, we liked hanging out, Rachel Sophia and the coach and mom. And we all loved mom and mom loved us. And it was a simple little place. The place only had two bedrooms. So when the four of us were there and the parrot and the dog, uh, mama had a pug, um, it was quite crowded. And we kind of have to sleep in shifts. But the whole family's night owls anyway, right? So anyway, we're getting things together and I'm going down and, and mom's excited because her family's there and we're going to hang out, watch television. And um, mama had shipped me a little plastic Christmas tree when I was interning up north for a big software company because I was alone and working 60 hours a week on the road some too. And so I'd bring my crappy little plastic tree. And then we'd have some Christmas uh, stuffed animals we put around the tree. And I like Opus from Bloom County. I have a thing for Opus from Bloom County. I have several stuffed Opuses because, you know. Uh, anyway, so we set up our little Christmas tree. We'd eat food. We'd watch television. We'd laugh, play cards, and just, just hang out in our flannel nightgowns, right? So I took Mama to the store to get some groceries, and uh, Rachel Sophia and her husband were hanging out at the house. And parrots, when they're talking, a lot of times they do this. They kind of do this thing where they're just kind of mouthing. So I went to the store, came back, and then my sister, Rachel Sophia, who's in her nightgown, and she also has MS, so she's a little, her gait's a little awkward, and she kind of is slow, and sometimes when she's moving, she kind of sits, she'll sit for a while, and then she'll have to kind of think to get up, so, you know. And gosh darn it, oh, boy, howdy, I'm going to have to add on to the end of this, so, because I'm running out of time, I'm at my 30-minute mark. Rachel Sophia told me that something happened when I was gone that I didn't believe was possible or I hadn't witnessed it myself with my parrot. And she said, are you aware of this? See, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause this and I'm going to start the recording again so I can finish this story. And I appreciate your patience. One moment. All right, here we go. Okay. So when we tuned in, uh, it's Christmas time and I'm spending it with my mama down in that little timber town and my sister Rachel Sophia has come up from her state and brought her coach husband and we're hanging out at this little you know mobile mobile home so I took my mama and I was like let's go ahead we're gonna go to the store get some groceries and shit like that we go do that to come back and there's Rachel Sophia in her flannel nightgown she has her feet up and she's wearing socks because her limbs are always cold um, they call it Raynaud's. She has Raynaud's syndrome, I believe, but her hands and her feet get like ice because of her circulation issues and also with her MS and stuff like that. So I remember coming in and um, here, the, here we were, and I was a young, I was a young buck of the, the four of us. See, I was the one that would do the, some of the labor and stuff like that because everybody was aging by this time. And <coughs> my parrot's hanging out, the pug's hanging out. And there's Rachel Sophia with her big old eyeballs. And uh, she goes, your parrot, he's talking. He he cussed. Your parrot is cussing. <laughs> now, see, we cuss, so that doesn't, you know. They're Catholics. Actually, Rachel Sophia is a Catholic, and the coach is a Catholic. Okay, so, well, I would call it, you know, there's Mormons and Jack Mormons. They say that phrase for um, my foster parent called himself a Jack Mormon because he wasn't a, he didn't go to church. Uh, he's, but he also was a predator. And I think the reason he didn't go to church is because he felt guilty about molesting the foster kids. So that's another story altogether. But uh, the Catholics, yeah. Um, so it turns out the coach is a Catholic. He's a diehard Catholic. Okay, so, and that's how my sister met. They met at a Catholic university um, while he was working as a coach. So anyway, um, 
we're sitting there, I walk in and I'm like, oh dear, you know, I got groceries and here's mom and I'm, I'm driving because she likes it when I drive her around. She feels, I don't know, taken care of. And she goes, your, your bird is cussing. It, you know, your bird said, ah, shit. Your bird said, ah, shit. And I said, my bird did not say, ah, shit. My bird does not. Are you serious? I mean, he says a bunch of words, but I've never heard him say that. He goes, he did. He said it. And I'm like, I live with him. I've never heard that parrot say that phrase. You know, he'll say, you know, step up, step up. You know, want to take a bath? Want to take a bath? He loved to take baths. Oh, my gosh. He took baths like he was having a party. If you've ever seen a duck take a bath, it's like that. See, but a little bird. See, anyway, <clears throat> so when he loved saying, want to take a bath? Want to take a bath? He'd say, he, I think that was probably his top five phrase. Want to take a bath? He wanted to take a bath. He always wanted to take a bath. Okay, anyway, <clears throat> so here we are. We're hanging out. And I said, my bird did not say, oh, shit. I don't think, I don't think that happened. See, and she goes, yeah, yeah, I did. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So now I'm like really? Okay. Cause he says all these phrases and he's always kind of chattering and talking to himself. I'm like, I don't know. So we're hanging out at one point and then it's like, ah, shit, ah, shit. <laughs> and I went, what? What? And come to find out my parrot was cussing and I didn't know it. <laughs> the thing is he, he waited till I was gone. I mean, another human being would have had to been around to see it because I couldn't hear it, you know. And, and also, I'm saying it. Apparently, the bird learned that phrase from somewhere. I don't know where the hell he learned that from. I don't know who might be saying, "Ah, shit. I don't know. Who would who would say that so frequently that a parrot would say it? Who would do that? Okay, anyway. <laughs> but it gets better. There's a second chapter, okay? Because we're laughing because it's funny as hell. So, Rachel Sophia, she's laughing. And, um... We're all got like, what? And um, that was very funny. That, we all laughed heartily about that, right? So here comes, it's the next year. We're going to do Christmas next year. And we're like, hey, love you. Okay, great. You know, bye. Back up my, my parrot, go back to my house. And, you know, reach Sophie and the coach. They go back to where they live. And so uh, <laughs> next year, come back, same gig. We probably spent, oh, I don't know, about five or six Christmases together in that single wide, small little $4,000 old 1970s mobile home with yellow shag carpet so anyway that my mama died in my mama died in that location um uh but uh okay so here's the second season we're coming back and it's going to be christmas time right and so mama passes away about five years after this or so but uh we're having a good time we're probably, we're getting ready for christmas time and um I bring my parrot again and there's the pug and my parrot and four adults in a two-bedroom single-wide 1970s mobile home because we love each other <laughs> because we love each other why not you know here's a millionaire coach over here and there's Rachel Sophie and there's my mama and we're all hanging out in this like you know cardboard box loving each other you know what the hell oh okay so anyway another time I'm like okay we're getting things ready and I would be the one who would go run the errands and stuff because you know um people are older, you know, mama. So mom wanted to go get groceries. So I take her to the grocery store and Rachel Sophia and the pug and the parrot and the coach, they're all hanging out at the house and come back. And, um, my sister says, he's, he says another cut. He's cussing. He cusses again. And I said, no, he, I thought he did the shit thing. Right. He goes, he said, fuck a duck. He said, fuck a duck. And I said, <laughs> I said, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Are you? Sh Come on. They, oh, shit was a surprise anyway. So then we're all hanging out and, and, you know, we're hanging out. It's dinner time. We're watching television and we're kind of all sharing space because it's a small space and there's several of us in this little box. So sometimes two would be here and two would be there, and, you know, 
but we're all hanging out. It's after Christmas dinner. We're just doing our little things. And Christmas dinner would be TV trays. Uh, you'd sit in the, you know, you sit on the, the chair in the living room or you, maybe you might go sit in your bed and sit, eat there. Uh, she had a dinner table, but it was covered with crap. So we never didn't, we formally, we only ate that dinner table maybe half a dozen times while she lived there. Uh, so we're all kind of hanging out casual, you know, just enjoying each other. And, uh, <laughs> my bird's kind of doing his thing. I, I brought a, a stationary perch for it to stand on while we're hanging out. And I hear the birds going along. You're a, you're a fuck a duck, fuck a duck. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I guess I do say that, don't I? Oh, oh, oh. Anyways. <laughs> And we laughed and we laughed and we laughed. And actually, even after my parrot passed away and um, Rachel, Sophie and I in the last year, we've talked about that parrot talking. <laughs> um, so I don't know if there's any uh, conclusion to that or any like lesson to be learned out of that. But uh, I'll say this much. Um, <clears throat> sometimes children and animals pick up things that you do that you may not be conscious that you do. And then they will reflect that back to you. And they might do it in front of your whole family at Christmas dinner. So you might have that to look forward to. Say you got a parrot or something like that. See? Okay. So anyway, so what did that parrot say? What did that bird say? Well, that's what that bird said. So apparently, well, also the irony that you're sitting there thinking this is a little itty bitty parrot, right? And it's saying, fuck a duck, fuck a duck. You know, you're like, well, you're both birds. I mean, I don't think you could fuck, but it is kind of ironic that you're the same species and here you are talking indirectly about this thing. That's my stupid little cuss word I use, right? So anyway, okay, well, <laughs> there you go. Here's a little bit of, from the kooky corner of my little family and my parrot that likes to cuss and I don't know where he picked that up from and he wasn't he, yeah. Um, by the way, you're gonna find out what gender, if you got a, is it dimorphic or uh, mono, Dimorphic means that uh, you can tell the gender by the way they look. One's, you know, one's like a, one's one color, one's another color. Or one, they, they have different, like a, oh, here's a way to look at it. Cockatiel birds look pretty similar, but females and males are different. Males have brighter colored feathers and plumes typically, and the females will have similar but muted colors, which that's a common theme in a lot of bird species, right? Um, genus and species and all that stuff. So anyway, it's hard to say. You may not know who you affect in. Sometimes our actions impact other people and we don't know it. And sometimes, you know, you might hear about it from your parrot at Christmas, at the Christmas time in a single wide, in a timber town. You might, you might find out that your parrot's listening to you better than you thought they were. See? <laughs> anyway, there you go. Well, thanks for coming to this freaky little place. Uh, it's been a little bit dish uh, not as maybe uh, directed as I might have been in other episodes, but uh, I got to bring my little parrot to talk to you today, and that felt pretty damn good. So uh, thank you. Thank you for coming to the house on Valencia Street. Um, I want you safe, even from me. I want you consenting. Oh, I forgot to do that in my preamble, didn't I? I said I gave the training the trigger warnings, and I didn't say the consent part. I guess I'll wrap that out in the end now that the thing is almost done. You can consent to this podcast or you can say no. <laughs> so you got options. You got options you don't even know about. I mean, the thing is you got to get educated and you got to pull back and see your context and get other information sometimes, right? 
So, so uh, you can consent, you can say no, and you got more options than you realize. A willful education, you know, when you're stuck in a foster home or you're getting beaten to a hospital or something like that, a book might help you, okay? And hell, if my mama can get out of Walla Walla and I can get out of Walla Walla, not that Walla Walla is the, the death knell for everybody, but for my family, it sure as hell was a lot of ways. Um, I'm still integrating and trying to accept what Walla Walla is. And part of it is this podcast talking about what honestly happened there. See, so, um, so I don't have to be fearful of it. So that way I'm equal to everybody else. Right. So anyway, thank you for listening and my little love, my little parrot. Um, I mean to get a tattoo. I want to get a tattoo of that parrot one of these days. We'll see a memorial tattoo. That's what I want. You got any tattoos you want to get? Uh, I just haven't gotten to the point of committing to it, you know, but hell, after I turn 50, I figured I might consider it. See, (laughs) and also by the time you turn 50, if you get tattooed after you turn 50, well, a lot of the sagging and the aging has happened. So it won't look like a landslide by the time, you know, a lot of times you get those tattoos in your twenties, by the time you 50 or 60, you don't even know what it's going to look like, right? And here's one weird anecdotal fact, since we are talking about predation and predators. Apparently, Jeffrey Dahmer says that tattooed skin tastes awful, that the tattoo changes the taste of the flesh. (laughs) And while that's kind of wacky, and well, it's it's like, well, how would you know? Well, he would know. He was a cannibalist. Uh, But um, so part of me, when I heard that, I was like, well, that's kind of really macabre and strange. And then the other part of me was like, I wonder if that's true. I don't want to find out literally. I don't want anyone to find out. I don't, you know, it's just a, you know, hypothetical. Uh, but then the next part was, well, gosh, maybe I should tattoo my whole body then. That way I won't taste good to a predator. <laughs> maybe I could dye my hair or something like that, put some tattoos on. I don't know, put some spikes in my skin or something like that. Like maybe I, maybe I do that virtually with some of the, the ways I talk to people sometimes. But uh, anyway, I guess the fucking the duck, or, or that sounds awful. I guess fuck a duck. And uh, I guess I'll shit. Um, there's a couple of things that you could say that a parrot might pick up and then uh, might embarrass you a little bit in front of your family at Christmas time. So that might happen to you. See? Okay. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, thank you for coming to the house on Valencia Street. Uh, makes my heart warm thinking that some people might know my family, might know Darlene, might know Mildred, and might know my sisters, who I give different names here so that they can have some anonymity here but uh all right well love you uh or i send love to you out in the universe <laughs> uh, i send love and joy and actually that's one thing i was doing today i went for a walk in my neighborhood and there was a cow sitting in a field a lot of times uh some of the people out here they'll have cows over here they'll have goats over here horses over here what have you and there's this cow that i've seen across uh, one of my walks and so i walked up to this cow and I just sat there and sat with it for a little bit and it was neglected. It had a, a, probably 50 to a hundred flies on it. And I've seen that cow there different seasons. They trade the, sometimes they'll move the cow to a different pasture. They move them around. But I just sat there and loved on that cow. I just sent it love. I just said, um, you're a child of God and I send you love, you know? So that's what I did when I was going on my walks today. So maybe you can do that too. Maybe you can find somebody random and just send them some love. Yeah. How about that? It's an option. Okay. Please know that here at the house on Valencia street, you ain't never going to be alone. And sometimes it's whether you like it or not.
Yeah. So you take care, kids, and I appreciate your patience, and I'm looking forward to the next one.